Are you guys ready to jump into the message this morning? It was a late Friday night, my senior year in high school, which actually keeps getting farther and farther away, 30-year reunion just a couple of weeks ago. It's crazy. And uh, I was coming home from partying, and to to my surprise, when I opened the door and stepped into the hallway, my mom was waiting for me. And how many know when mom is waiting for you, that's not a good thing? Uh, I had no place to run or hide because I had to go past the family room to get to my bedroom. And uh, as I walked in and sat down and said, Mom, what's up? She unfolded a letter she had found uh, on my dresser from a friend of mine who was pleading with me to change my ways. And I was confronted with a question I didn't know how to answer. And when my mom asked me, my heart sank and I was speechless. And she asked this question. She said, Dean, do you have a problem? You see, I was the young man who never got in trouble. I was the friend to everyone I'd ever met, that all the parents loved, that all the teachers adored. Yet ultimately, I had everyone fooled, but how many know you can't fool mama? You see, sooner or later, sin is going to find you out. And in 2 Samuel chapter 12, King David's sin found him out when a prophet named Nathan was sent by God to confront David's cover-up of an adulterous affair with Bathsheba and the murder of an innocent man, her husband, Uriah. Before we dive into the exchange between Nathan and David, I want to reveal the painting this morning of the story we're going to be talking about. You can read about the entire scandal in 2 Samuel 11. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2, but it says, It happened. Everybody say, It happened. In the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab, who was his commander, and his servants went with him. And all Israel, they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. This is my first point in your notes there. There is stuff that happens in our life that should not be happening. But because of our own disobedience, our decision to disengage, disconnect, our decision not to show up, it happens. Everybody say, it happens. It happens. You see, it's not supposed to happen. It was never meant to happen, but it happens, and then we're wondering, how in the world did that happen? You guys following me? In your notes, David was supposed to be on the battlefield, but because he stayed home, the enemy had a field day. You see, we like to blame the devil for a lot of things, but when we decide to be engaged, when we decide not to be engaged in the battle, We create and invite unnecessary warfare in our lives. So my question to you is this this morning. Do you realize that we 
not just you, but we are in a spiritual battle. That the enemy isn't playing around. That if you open the door, yes, he will walk in. If you stay off the battlefield, if you stay home when you're supposed to be engaged in battle, yes, the enemy will take up a fight with you. You see, David was supposed to go out, but because he remained in Jerusalem, he opened the door to temptation, and guess what? It happened. Everybody say, it happened. I'd rather be fighting the enemy alongside of you than facing my own personal battle without you. David didn't go out, and because he didn't go out to battle, ultimately sin took him out. Many of us are waiting to get our act together, waiting for the perfect time to get involved and engage with the battle and with what God is doing. Yet the enemy, listen, the enemy will use our inactivity to get us caught up with our iniquity. He'll use your inactivity to get you caught up and thinking about that gross thing down deep in your life. 2 Samuel 2.2 opens up. David's off the battlefield and it says, then it happened. Then it happened. One evening, David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. And the scandal unfolds. David commits adultery with Bathsheba. She gets pregnant. And David comes up with a scheme to call Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, off the battlefield so Uriah and Bathsheba can have an intimate evening and excuse David of this adulterous affair. But Uriah refuses to go to his house and enjoy the pleasures of home because his heart was still engaged with his brothers on the battlefield. I'm so thankful for leaders, come on, in this day who will stand and do the right thing. And God, listen, God is, listen, you can look in college football, you can look across the leadership landscape of the United States, and God is pulling back the covers, and he's looking for leaders who will be integrous in the difficult moment. And so he messes up David's plan, and a couple nights later, he gets Uriah drunk, but instead of going home to sleep with Bathsheba, Uriah, Uriah finds a bed with David's servants to sleep on, and now David is infuriated. He doesn't know what to do because Uriah's integrity, come on, was about to reveal David's iniquity. David does the unthinkable. Everybody say it happened. You see, it wasn't supposed to happen. It should not have happened. But because David was not engaged in the battle, because he, he decided to remain in Jerusalem, it happened. Shouldn't have happened. It happened. What's happening in our lives? Because we're not engaged in the battle. He premeditates a murderous plot to end Uriah's life, having his commander Joab put him on the front lines of the battle and then retreat from him in the heat of the battle. Uriah is killed and David takes Bathsheba as his wife. What a cover up. But in verse 27, it says, but the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. We used to have a saying when I was in a 
Bible school, it went like this. You can't fool the Holy Ghost. How many know you can't lie to the Holy Spirit? In 2 Samuel 12, 1, the story continues. It says, so the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. I'm going to read verses 1 to 13. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb and grew it up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day a guest arrived at the home of the rich man, but instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guests. Verse 5, David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs of the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. Verse 7, then Nathan said to David, you are that man. The Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house, his wives, all these different things. From this time on, he talks about what's going to happen, the consequences of David's sin. Verse 12, you did it secretly, David, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all Israel. Verse 13, then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Verse 1, so the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David a story. Number one, in your notes, aren't you glad that even in our sin, come on, how many sinners do I have in here? We've all, God's rescued all of us from sin if you're a born-again believer here this morning. But aren't you glad that even in our sin, even in our most displeasurable state, God continues to send truth to us, his love to us, his compassion to us, his forgiveness to us, his grace to us, his mercy to us. In our most displeasurable state, God will never give up on you. Even if we've given up our on ourselves, God never will give up on us. And how does he do it? He does it through the power of the Holy Spirit and people who love us. Listen, God has been sending people in your life to speak truth and love to you. I just want to say this to you. Listen. Listen to your friends. Listen to your family. Listen, they're trying to help you. They're not trying to harm you. They have God's best in mind for you. And God will continue to send people in your life to love on you. You see, the prophet Nathan in this story is symbolic of how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. The Hebrew meaning of Nathan is he will give or God has given. And how we know the Holy Spirit will give us a second chance. He'll give us a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance. He never, he continues to pursue us. Even when we think we're running away from him, the Holy Spirit will chase us down. John 14, 16 says, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. How many need some help this morning? That he may abide with you forever. Everyone say forever. 
forever. John 16, verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. How many are thankful for the Holy Spirit in your life? And of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me. You see, Nathan wasn't sent to Dave, sent to condemn David. He was sent to correct David. Nathan came and told him a story about a rich man killing a poor man's pet to serve his guest dinner. And David was really upset. Hebrews 12:5 says, And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when the Lord or when he corrects you. Listen, the Lord, I believe, is trying to correct some of us. He's trying to adjust you, align you. And I'm begging with you this morning, listen, align and yield to what the Holy Spirit is asking you to do this morning. Leads me to my second point. David overlooked the seriousness of his sin, but became overtaken with anger about someone else's sin. I find it interesting how we, as believers, can sometimes categorize the sins of others, but when it comes to our own sin, it doesn't bother us. Oh yeah, we, 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 we'll condemn the, the gross sins, the, the, the obvious sins, but we have no problem with gossiping. We'll, we'll, we'll condemn an act we'll, that's, that's blatant, but we just wink at our own disobedience. David overlooked the seriousness of his sin, but he became overtaken with anger about his, someone else's sin. Have you ever found yourself furious about someone else's sin? Just me? All right. <laughs> their problems, their shortcomings. And not take the things that need to change in your life as serious. So mad. But you don't hate your sin enough to separate yourself from it. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 5, I'm reading out of the message. It says, don't pick on people and jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That, criti that critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. Anybody got a boomerang before? It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Matthew 7, 3, New, New, uh, New Living Translation says it this way, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, which means actor, first get rid of the log in your own eye then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Come on. How do you know it's hard to help somebody? <laughs> right? We can't, come on. It's kind of like uh, Gary Zaleski a couple, couple weeks ago was talking about uh, the, the brother who, who, who seemed to do everything right, right? There was the prodigal who ran away uh, was wallowing with the pig slop, and then he had a revelation. Man, I could just go home and be one of my dad's servants. But um, the brother was so offended 
by the stench of his brother wallowing in the pigs, he couldn't smell the own stench of his pride. So how many know it's hard to help somebody because you can't even get close enough? But yet, week in and week out, right, we, we, it's like we think that pointing out others' faults is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Like it's some kind of word of, word of knowledge or word of wisdom, right, when God is just trying to reveal to you what's in your eye. How I many you know it's hard to move around with a big old stick in your eye? Listen, God wants to deal with our stuff. He wants to deal with our junk. And I think a lot of time, the plank of pride, the log of a lifted heart blinds us from our own brokenness. And verse 7 says, then David said to David, to David, you are that man. David is now looking in the mirror face to face with the prophet. He's being confronted with the word of the Lord. And my question to you again this morning is, what will you do when you're confronted and convicted, here's the key, by the whisper of the Holy Spirit? I don't know about you, but I was taught that the Holy Spirit was a gentleman. And he's gentle. He'll come alongside you. He, he doesn't want to embarrass you, but he doesn't want you to be locked up. And so he'll whisper these things to you. He won't expose you if you keep saying no and no and no. Yeah, there's going to be some moments. But listen, Nathan went to David in private and said, you are that man. Verse 13, then David confessed to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord, which leads me to my last point, that David seized the opportunity and recognized David seized the opportunity and recognized change and repentance was a gift from God. You see, when we yield to conviction, we give the Holy Spirit room to lead us into correction. How does God bring correction? Confession. Everyone say confession. Confession is an honest admission that something else is in control of your life and a willingness to surrender it to God. During, uh, after this time, shortly after this time, David wrote Psalm 51. I'm not going to take time to read all of it, but here is the, the moment that David seized. He could have kept running. He could have he denied it. He could have he did a lot of things. He was the king. He had a lot of power he could have took control of the situation but instead he he pins these words have mercy upon me O God according to your loving kindness according to the multitude of your tender mercies blot out my transgressions wash me everybody say wash me from my iniquity and cleanse me everybody say cleanse me from my sin for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight you can keep reading but verse 7 says purge me everybody say purge me purge. says wash me say wash me wash. and verse 8 says make me say make me and then in verse 10 he pins these famous words we've all heard create in me a clean heart O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit 
from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Some of you being robbed of the joy of your salvation because you're resisting, listen, the Holy Spirit's conviction in your life, which, listen, is, is leading you to resist God's correction in your life. And this morning, I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit is in hot pursuit of your heart. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. If you're a leader in here, the Holy Spirit is after your heart. He's contending for you because ultimately he and he alone is the one that wants to see your life changed. Don't ignore the one who wants to help you change. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench, suppress, or subdue the Holy Spirit. 1 John 1.6 says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. Come on, he connects us with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, how many know he is faithful? He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. This morning, I wanted us to just take a moment. I believe we're at a pivotal time as a church, but I believe we've got to take a moment and just pause together to examine our lives. What are the things, come on, that's obvious to everybody else except you? I'm throwing myself right in the middle of this. But what in your life does the Lord need to remove? I'm going to play a song. It's a new song called Clean by Natalie Grant. As I was sitting down talking to my mom, and she had asked me the question, do you have a problem? I had a choice to make. And her follow-up question was this after brief conversation and a brief exchange, she said, Dean, do you need help? This morning, as my prayer team comes, I didn't tell them that, but I, I want my prayer team and staff to come if they can. This morning, you might be well aware of your problem, but this morning I want to ask, do you need help? Because I know somebody that can help you. It's the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus Christ, the one who cleanses us, the one who washes us, the one who makes us new, the one who can create a clean heart in each and every one of us. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, if you say, Pastor Dean, I just need some help this morning, if that's you, would you just lift your hand? Yes, yes, anybody else? Yes, hands up all over. Yes, anybody else? You just say, Pastor Dean, I yes, back there, yes. Yes, yes. Worship team's going to play softly. I'm going to invite those of you to just say, you know what, I need some help. I need some help. I want you to come forward. Just take that bold step. Listen, take that bold step this morning and come and get the prayer that you need this morning. Will you all stand with me?
Father, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're talking to people. Lord, you're highlighting things in our lives, God, that need to be aligned, that need to be adjusted, that, God, we need to yield to you. And I just ask you in the mighty name of Jesus, God, that you give the boldness, you give us the boldness, Lord, to confront, God, the things that are robbing us, the things that are stealing from us. In the name of Jesus, listen, don't let it hold you back this morning. Don't let it keep you from coming forward and getting the help. Maybe this is the initial step that you need to take. I'm asking you to come. I'm asking you to come. This is how we're going to end the service. But I'm going to ask you, don't leave today without getting prayer. With Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe you're stuck. Maybe you've got some unconfessed things in your life and you just, you're caught up in this cycle and God wants to set you free. I invite you to come this morning. Thank you, Lord. I want to pray for everyone. Lord, I just ask you, God, that you would continue to probe our hearts, that throughout this week, Lord, you would put your finger, God, on the planks, God, that are in our eye, Lord, that have us blinded to things, God, that are keeping us from serving you at our greatest potential. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you would have your way in each and every heart today. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, and everybody said, amen.